we've invested more money, about 20% more. We've right. doubled the, the diagnostic uh, hub money, yep. which is important to clear the wait list, and we're going to give direct funding. I feel that uh, supporting 100% of the kids is better than only supporting 25% of them, and so this is more fair and equitable. In addition, you know, we're going to give parents uh, and, and families choice on how they actually spend that money. We're not going to mandate that there's only one type of service that, uh, that families can get because sometimes it doesn't work. That is uh, Minister Lisa McLeod, who has been dealing with the uh, fallout over autism spending that the Ford government has uh, has brought in. And that happened, of course, late uh, or earlier last week. And, you know, I think for a lot of families and, and those who have autism, the kids that have autism, the Ford government had represented a, a last uh, bastion of hope. You know, that someone was going to finally come in and, and pay attention to what literally had been ignored by the liberals for two decades. And so Ford had promised, you know, $100 million in additional spending, which is more than the Liberals. But certainly the overhaul has been met with a lot of blowback, a lot of people saying it just doesn't go far enough. And then there are other people who say, well, look, at least we're getting something. And so this debate, I think, is going to go on for some time. And I, th- I think it's fair to say that it is not a quick fix. But, and I was a bit surprised by this number, one in 68 kids is now being diagnosed as being somewhere on the spectrum. And so we are way past the point of just throwing money at this thing and trying to keep it going. And uh, for my next guest, it's, it's an issue that is much, much, much more than just politics. It's deeply personal because his son, Andrew, is on the autism spectrum. Michael Tobe joins us now. You normally would know him uh, as a writer in the Washington Post, uh, but he joins us now. Hi there. Hey, how are you? Well, I'm, I'm good. And of course, I read with interest your piece that you, you penned today. Yep. Uh, this is not something that you generally talk about. This is a part of your life that you kind of keep quiet, but you did have to talk about it now. Yeah, I did. And no, it's not something I talk a lot about. I don't actually talk about my private life very often, not because I'm embarrassed about it or not. It's, it's very simple. My private life is private. So when I talk and I talk about issues, it's about politics, about economics, about culture, whatever I'm writing on. But, you know, based on what happened with the PC government plan for autism and based on what I sort of perceive as a mixed bag overall in terms of what they offered, I felt it was necessary to speak out on something like this. And yes, it is personal. My son, Andrew, is on the autism spectrum. He was first diagnosed at 18 months. Initially, he was put on the spectrum. He was taken off. He was put back on. And he also has a uh, triplicate in chromosome 7, which has been related to a delay in his speech. Now, the good thing is for me, very briefly, I'm actually okay. I mean, I'm able to pay with private money for all these different services, and I will never have any issue. And Andrew has grown, developed, and done very well over the past few years. He's now 10, going on 11. And to his credit, he just continues to get better and better. And it's wonderful for myself and my wife to see. We're very pleased with it. The problem really is, unfortunately, Alex, is that there are just too many families in Ontario who will not be able to or currently are not able to afford the very, very high costs mm-hmm. that are associated with autism funding. Okay. And that includes things such as ABA therapy, speech-language pathology, occupational therapy, tutors, right. aids. I mean, there is so much there, and you know, we'll get into it, obviously. The costs of doing it, and we can go through it line by line if you want, 
are much, much greater than what the Ontario PC plan plans to pay out per parent per child. Okay. And so let me play the devil's advocate because, you know, you've got this one side who, you know, we've got 23,000 kids on the wait list that have yep. literally just been sitting there and they'll say, well, at least we get something now. Is there anything in this plan that at least points us in the right direction? Well, if you read my Toronto Star op-ed, I actually praise them for getting rid of the waiting list. The, the wait list was created by the previous Ontario Liberal government, and they handled it abysmally from start to finish. They created this mess that we're currently in right now, and I certainly give the Ontario PCs full credit for getting rid of that wait list. That is something to be praised, and that is something very good from this. The problem, unfortunately, Alex, is the financial component. You know, basically what's going to happen is Ontario families will receive up to, roughly, $140,000 for an autistic child from the ages of 2 to 8. Now, the problem with that is it's not $140,000 a year. It's $140,000 in total, of which there are capped amounts. So for the first few years of a child's life, they will only receive up to 20000 Then, basically, for the remainder of most of their time, which is roughly from the ages of um, 6 to 18, they will only receive about $5,000 per year. Now, look, obviously that money as a supplemental purpose is actually very good. You can use it for therapy, you can use it for treatment, sports, whatever you want. There are certainly things you can use it for. The problem is, unfortunately, if you just isolate ABA or Applied Behavioral Analysis Therapy alone, mm-hmm. that on average per year costs you anywhere between fifty dollars to $75,000 a year. Period. Okay, child. let me ask you this then, because Amy Fee, uh, one of the, the um, MPPs who worked on this, she's got mm-hmm. two kids with autism, so this is a very personal fight for her as well. Sure. Um, and when we spoke about this this plan, she said, look, it's a starting point. She said that the health as well as health ministries will also be kicking in supports in the sense of uh, classroom tools, you know, getting rid of, um, you know, new support plans, because really we have too many kids with autism or uh, who are on the spectrum who should not be in classes, et cetera. So there will be other supports. Mm-hmm. Um, but where do they have to go then to fix this, to actually develop this? Do they have to come up with a whole, you know, like they've got this new mental health spending plan that they're planning on introducing, but do they have to really just have a, a section only for autism, a whole system to deal with that? I think so, basically because it's a growing neurological disorder, not just in Canada, but across the world. You pointed out a stat which you may have got from me or you may have just seen in general, which is one in 68 kids are now being diagnosed as being part of the autism disorder spectrum, which means that they sit on the spectrum, whether it be in Ontario or another province in Canada. It is growing at an exponential rate, and for that reason, unfortunately, A, the money that's being bandied about right now is just not enough, but B, with respect to obviously Amy Fee and the direct minister in charge, Lisa McLeod, they have roughly about 18 months for that wait list to finally dissipate and to then actually look into issues and ways and means of actually improving things, which I sort of suggested my op-ed could include more money for families, right. uh, tax breaks and tax incentives for companies or individuals who want to start up private therapy or treatment, right. and various other things. So, and the other thing is you need more 
services. It's great to get the money, but unless the services are there, I mean, really, this has to be almost a federal-provincial partnership, which I hate to ask for government to do anything because they always screw it up. But really, at some point, there has to be a strategy um, to kind of solve this for once and for all. Because, you know, as much as the PCs will get kicked around on this, the bottom line, the blame goes to the liberals who, who left this and just kicked it to the side for 20 years because yeah. uh, you think of how much money they wasted and you think of where we could have been today if they had just invested something, something, yeah. no, pennies, I, give us something, I, you know. I know. I agree with you. And look, you think it drives you nuts. It drives me nuts. No. I, I do not believe in asking for government handouts. I have written against it. I've spoken against it long before yeah. I ever entered this profession. It drives me mad. But at the same time, you know, sometimes there are things where the answer isn't necessarily that the private sector can always do it or can they can do it better, in my opinion. But unfortunately, unless government gives them, as I said, tax breaks or the tax incentives to start up and help the process, that is just not going to happen. So with due respect to Amy Fee, Lisa McLeod, Doug Ford and many others, I think that what they have started with is decent in the fact that they're getting rid of the wait list. But what I and others are pointed out is that the money that they've allocated currently or earmarked for this is not even a fraction. It's not even a drop in the bucket of what's going to actually help them. I would strongly suggest they go back to the drawing board, look at different ideas and solutions, maybe speak to parents, start some town hall forums, whatever they wish, and go back and really go into it. Because, yes, the Ontario Liberals and Premier Kathleen Wynne at that time, created a complete disaster. And when they come out and criticize it, quite frankly, they have no damn right to say it because they botched this thing up from the very beginning. But at the same time, if the Ontario PCs wear their plan as it is, and 18 months later, this is what they plan to institute, they're going to wear it too. And that's going to be disastrous for this government. So think about it. You know, retrench, look at these things, study it a little bit more, speak with parents, speak with experts. You don't even have to pay attention to everything they say. Just get a bit of insight from them, put it all together, and come up with a more rock-solid plan that will help families, especially the many, many families in this province who are truly in need. Yeah, yeah, it's such a tough issue. Um, Michael, thank you for sharing uh, your experience and your story with us. I appreciate you talking about it, Andrew. My pleasure. Take good care. That is Michael Tobe. You normally know him for his political views, but, you know, again, you just don't know who is going to be hit by this. And I, I just, it's the one issue that just parents and families have been kicked around. They've been treated so dismally. So di- I, don't, I don't blame them for a second for being so angry. Can you imagine having this much hope and then coming and going, well, that's it? But I have to think at least we'll get a starting point. But I do think that the Ford government does have to listen. And I really do hope that they continue building this up because we do have to make this work. There are simply too many parents and too many kids across this province who didn't deserve this. They they didn't ask for this. And so I don't understand why they have to be punished all the time. This is why when I talk about things like gas plants and that kind of crap, the billions, the billions that were just, that was just thrown away. What you could have done for things like mental illness, elder care, and oh yeah, those with autism could have dealt with all of that. Could have paid for it. Period. And instead, gone. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.